Welcome to the NS North Podcast. My name is Philip Kaskarain, and I'm joined tonight by my co-host, Dan Byers. How are you, Dan? I'm great. How are you? I am great. Thank you. We are very pleased to have you listening in to our fifth podcast in a series that we hope will introduce our attendees to the great speakers who will be presenting at NS North 2013. NS North is Ottawa's first independent iOS and Mac developers and designers conference. It will take place at the Ottawa Convention Center on April 19th to the 21st. In this podcast, we are delighted to have speaker Rob Ryan, and he joins us now. How are you, Rob? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Awesome. We are fine. Um, and Rob joins us all the way from Washington, D.C., and he uh, will now introduce himself. And can you take... Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, and your company. Well, my name's Rob. As you mentioned earlier, that's always good to know. Um, I'm the CEO of Martian Craft. We are uh, pretty small uh, iOS and Android development shop. Uh, we do mobile, Max development, that type of stuff. We also do a fair amount of design, and um, we've started working on our own products. So uh, we I think we just put a teaser site up a couple weeks ago for Briefs, which is a reboot of a design tool that I worked on back in 2009. So that would be Briefs 2, actually. Briefs 2 is, is kind of the marketing lingo we've created for it. It's uh, uh, really what it is is Briefs is coming to the Mac. Uh, we've created a Mac application for building Briefs. Uh, a prior version of Briefs was a scripting language. So uh, the Mac application will be called Briefs, and we're releasing this new iOS app called Briefs Case. Uh, and that's uh, the release that's, that's impending. But we've got a lot of interesting things in store for that. Right, because there was quite a saga for the first version of Briefs, if I remember correctly. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, 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 no need to go into details, woeful, I guess. Woeful but... tale. But, yeah, um, we're, we're actually in the middle right now of uh, hopefully this week we'll submit uh, the iOS app to the store. So it's kind of, uh, you know, we're crossing the Rubicon where we'll find out if it, uh, actually makes it, uh, into the store this time, but we're pretty hopeful. Uh, we, uh, made a lot of changes in our approach this time based on what we heard from Apple. And, uh, we're pretty confident that, uh, Apple's not going to have a problem with it this time. That's a, that sounds very exciting. That's a huge milestone. Um, so how long were you, uh, in development of this version? Uh, we've been in development since uh, June of 2012. Uh, it, was, it was just after WWDC. Um, that's actually not true. We um, Development in the product as it is now started in June of 2012 after WWDC. Uh, about a month before that, um, one of the guys working for me had a gap in a project and he needed something to do. And I wanted him to go and kind of modernize uh, the Briefs code base, uh, you know, put it under Arc. Um, make sure it compiled under iOS 5, uh, check it against iOS 6 and all of that stuff, you know, look at the betas. Um, and so he started working on that and uh, got a certain point. And then I was like, well, hey, it would be really great if it supported Retina, if it supported the iPad. I mean, the, the Briefs code base was, was pretty old. I mean, it was written at a time where there was no iPad, there was no Retina, iPhone, um, so I, I wanted him to kind of go through, and he, he got to the point with the Retina and the iPad where he said, "Hey, I'm, I'm running into you know, uh, you know, issues and performance problems that your original code base uh, didn't account for, you know." And so there was you know memory leaks that were getting exacerbated and things like that. So 
Um, when we got back from WWDC, um, we scrapped the original engine and rewrote it from scratch. So it's an all new data format. Um, it's an all new. Uh, it, it's really a whole new experience. We added a lot of features that, in hindsight, I wanted to add. Um, you know, it's going to have support for Retina. It's going to have support for the iPhone 5, for the iPad. Uh, it's it's really sophisticated. I mean, there, there were just a lot of features that um, it didn't do in the original version, um, supporting uh, orientation changes and rotation and uh, gestures and, and all kinds of things. There's lots of goodies in there. And is briefs, even the first version, was this something you used internally or... A um, yeah, it was actually, um, and and that's really where this is uh, where this kind of came about. Is um, briefs too is about taking our experiences um, as a consultant and codifying those. So there's there's issues as a as a mobile consultant that you'll run into specifically when you're trying to marry you know a solid design with a solid development effort and a way to specify those changes. You know the the standard is to use Photoshop mockups, and uh, the problem yes. is is developers don't really know how to read Photoshop mockups and designers, it's really limited to specify the design in a Photoshop mockup. And so what we tried to do is create a format that a designer could iterate through their design. So, you know, an IA could come in and build an interaction workflow. Um, a visual designer could come in and, and kind of build up and layer that visual style. And then what we wanted is to, to be able to take that file um, that they've been testing and they've been working on and then hand it over to the developers and give them a precise spec of where everything went. And so a brief, when a developer gets it and they load it up in the Mac application, they're not trying to you know figure out where the slice points are, where things line up. They select a button or an object and they know precisely where it is, precisely what size it should be. And then we've got some nifty tricks for actually generating the assets and doing a lot of the production work for them. But We'll keep that for. Uh, we'll keep those under wraps. We'll keep those for launch. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Coming up soon. That, that sounds like it's really like a streamlines the entire process between you know designer to developer. Like, oh, like this seems like a really professional style of app. I guess you know. Like, it it uh, is. It is. It is. It is a pro app that we're going after. Um, it, it's really interesting. The original version of Briefs was this scripting language uh, for designers, which is kind of an odd duck if you think about it. And uh, what we've done now is we've really just turned that on its head and made a professional tool for designers. I mean, we want this to fit in with their workflow so that they'll still use Photoshop and Illustrator and After Effects to generate, you know, you know, come up and kind of explore and scratch design. But then when they want to assemble everything together, they'll use briefs. And so we wanted a tool. Um, really, we wanted a tool that felt at home with Photoshop and Illustrator. Um, we, you know, we took some cues from their visual design, but we also wanted it to feel at home with Xcode. And so we took a lot of interactions and also some visual design from Xcode. So it's it's kind of this weird in between, but I think a good in between, where um, a developer is going to feel comfortable with it, a designer is going to feel comfortable with it, and it's really just it, it's kind of a place where your ideas and your designs come together. And then you can go and, you know, build something really special from it. Um, but it's, I mean, for designers, it's it, it's a full environment. It, it's an environment I think mobile designers have always wanted and don't have. Um, it, 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 like the original version of Briefs, it centers around um, designing on the device and seeing things on the device. So you've got your big, you know, Mac Pro or your iMac. 
and you're kind of assembling things and then you've got your multiple devices connected to it. And we have some, some pretty nifty uh, mirroring-like technology that we're going to talk about in more detail in the coming weeks um, where they can essentially, we, we call it Briefs Live, and it's a way to see what you're building live on the device um, as you're going, but it's, it's fully interactive and it's really cool. I think a lot of people are going to like it. Awesome. Now, actually, to, in, in the, sorry. Right, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Phil. Oh, I was about to say, in the process of building briefs and all the other stuff that you're building, you, you've interacted with a lot of, of libraries and a lot of code that's out there. Uh, is there anything that um, uh, you've contributed as well that uh, you'd like to, you know, point out or what how's been your interaction with the community obviously you go to conferences and you've you've met a lot of people and uh, but uh, code wise uh, is there anything that you you want to point out well um without committing to too much um the original briefs app but the original briefs framework was open source uh it was originally yes. released as an open source framework and then i you know later attempted to try and sell just the player Uh, so that I had something for designers. Designers aren't going to, you know, license, you know, get an Apple developer license and put it on their device. So right. I tried to sell it, and that's where I ran into issues with with Apple. Um, we do have some spin on that. I mean, one of the things that I, uh, one of the things I really liked about the original briefs format, and we've done with the new briefs format, is that it was an open format. That um, you know, before you could literally write the files from a text file. Um, we're doing a few different things now where that's actually packaged into a single document with, um, you know, kind of all the specifications for all the attributes, but also all of the resources. So images and sound files and all that jazz right. get packaged into one file. But uh, our plan is to release a data, an open source data library so that any brief file you create, you'll have an Objective-C library that a developer can build an application on top of that oh, will nice. parse Ooh. the briefs format. And so we're, um, you know, we're not going to open source the whole Mac application, um, but the p the data pieces are going to be open source because I don't, I don't believe that people should be locked out of their data. I think right. if you spend, if I'm asking you to spend a lot of time in our application and build things that are of value to you, um, it's kind of disingenuous for me then to go and lock you out of that file. It's also a vote of confidence to say, you know, try this, and you know, if if you if you put a lot of money in it, you still have access to your data. We're not locking you out yeah. because your license runs out or something. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. And, and kind of where we draw the line, you know, everybody says, how can you be open source and, and make money? We're going to give you the read-only access to the read-only access to the briefs, but we're kind of keeping all of the, you know, authoring libraries so that you can create the data format kind of to ourselves. Right. But that doesn't prevent someone else from you know, building their own libraries on top of that. I mean, we don't really want to restrict what people do with the briefs because as far as I'm concerned, if people are interested in the format and they're using the format, they're going to still want to use our tool. Yeah, it, so, really it really promotes an ecosystem, you know, uh, exactly. surrounding it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, exactly. And so so that's, that's something kind of uh, code-wise. Um, as far as using external libraries, there's some convenience libraries that we've used. Uh, from the community, um, but I mean nothing, nothing real big. Most of it was uh, written in house. Most of it uh, leverages um, kind of a private uh, in-house framework that we've been using at Martian Craft for years. That we've kind of built up, um, building things for clients, and it's you know it's it's kind of the crown jewel, so to speak, of the company. 
Um, and I, I think that's similar with with most companies. You know, I, I would I would say even consulting or product companies, likewise, they have these base frameworks that they built up over years, and it's just yeah, all of their stuff is built on top of that. Yeah, even though even though a lot of it is probably repetitive from one company to another. Oh, certainly, it's the fact that you're building it. It, you're sharpening your skills as you're doing it, and then it's part of the growing as a company as well. Yeah, and right? it's um, we have an interesting agreement with our um, with our developers too. So, I mean, we allow our developers uh, inside of Martian Craft; they can work on their own projects. Most of them do have their own projects and their own apps inside the App Store. And what we do is we want people to contribute to our library, but we don't want them to feel like, oh, well, hey, this is a really neat idea. I don't want to give this to the company. So instead what we say is, look, you put this into the library and then we offer them um, kind of uh, an exclusive you know, a license as part of working for us. Um, they get a license back to that code that they can use in their own code bases. And as long as they're not misusing it or directly competing against us in any way, you know, it's kind of like a you know, hear no evil, see no evil kind of approach. Yeah, that, nice. that's a great way to incentivize. Right on. <laughs> So actually, to, to backtrack a little bit, um, how did you kind of get your, your, your foot in the door with uh, iOS and or, or Mac development? Like, how did you get it, get started in the whole area? Um, I started on the Mac. Um, I was, you know, I, I guess I developed at a time when there was no iPhone um, and there was no iOS. Um, I got in the door on the Mac. It was, it was actually odd. I, I, I was out of school about a year, and I was working for a defense contractor. I live outside of D.C., so everybody works for a defense <laughs> contractor at some point or another. And uh, my boss at the time was on the board for a company that needed to port their application to the Mac. And I didn't really have any experience developing for the Mac, but I was a big Mac enthusiast. Like, I uh, I had a Mac at work. Um, you know, I had always had uh, Macintosh. And so I just thought, well, you know you like Macs and you're a developer. So clearly you develop for the Mac. And so he set me up with this freelancing job and I, um, I did what most people did at the time. I got Aaron Helligas's book. I pounded it in a weekend and said, all right, I can do this. And uh, I ended up working for that company for about a year, um, doing some freelance work, just solely independent of my full-time job. And then kind of started a lot of seeds for me. It was uh, not just doing Mac development, and uh, the you know the beauty of it is the beauty that it is of working with the Cocoa framework. Um, I also had to work with some pretty nasty low-level, uh, you know, carbon and pre-carbon interfaces. Uh, if you've ever had to use Atsui, the Apple type services, I have uh, kit. It's uh, it's it's pretty wretched. Like Cortex <laughs> is an amazing piece of functionality compared to. Uh, which you had to Absolutely. do without Sui, um, so it, it opened it's up. Along, it's come a long way. Oh yeah, yeah. But it was giving you beautiful type to give you. So comparatively, yeah. yes. Yeah, we actually <laughs> yes. ran into the issue. We could do more on the Mac than we could do on the PC. Um, but you know, it, it was a great little project. Uh, it was it was kind of a form builder, a competitor to uh, um, Acrobat. So I got to get into core graphics, and I, I got to I got to render a lot of things. I got to play with chords. It was it was a lot of fun, and that was back in the ten two days. Um, it was really ten one and then ten two because I remember when Jaguar came out, it yeah. screwed up a couple things, and I had to go back and, and start making changes. And then when Panther came out and Quartz Extreme came out, all of a sudden random views started flipping all over the place and we were printing upside down. It was all kinds of fun. But then, so I got used to that and I, that, that exposed me to, um, 
that side, but I also incorporated myself um, because I, I was working a full-time job and then I was getting this freelancing income, which was um, after a couple months, it exceeded what I was going to make at my day job. Oh, and fantastic. so I, I kind of called my accountant and was like, uh, what do I do? And he's like, okay, you're going to incorporate yourself and we're going to do all this. And it was really a, a mind altering experience for me because I never, I never imagined myself as a business owner. I never, I always thought, oh, you know, businesses are, you know, these brick buildings and, you know, people in suits and boardrooms and all of that stuff. And I just had no interest. So you're saying you're nothing like that. Uh, I didn't see myself like that. Right. And so um, it kind of exposed me to that where, you know, it was it was really weird. You know, people would ask me later, like, oh, what's it like having your business? And I'm like, well, you just sign a piece of paper and you pay 200 bucks to the government and you've got a business. It was that simple. And it was really it's, – it's really this mysterious thing to people who haven't looked into it. And it, it seems funny now in the – in light of the app stores and, and Apple making it so easy to make a living selling software. But at the time it was really this bizarre process to me. And I got exposed to that and I started, you know, figuring out how to do that. And I got to buy a lot of equipment and write it off as a business expense. And that was a lot of fun. And so that really planted that those two things planted the seed. Um, and then it was, of course I, I went to the second C4 uh, just because I really, I, after doing the freelance stuff, I was like, well, I want to write my own Mac application. This will be fun. There were a lot of people that were selling software at the time. I mean, Panic and Omni were these, you know, companies that were making a living doing this stuff. So I wanted to get into that. And I went to the second C4 as kind of like, all right, I can't afford to go to WWDC. So I'll go to the smaller conference and see what it's all about. And that really demystified a lot of these software developers. Yeah. Like, it's funny. One of the guys who's going to speak at NS North, uh, Gus Mueller. I, I, I kind of, I won't say I met Gus. I kind of saw Gus at the conference and was just, it blew my mind. I mean, I was using his software. You know, software was running on my computer. I, you know, I, I stored notes in Voodoo Pad, and uh, here's this guy. You know, the guy that wrote the software, and it was just this odd feeling that I never met people who had written software or anything that was on my computer before that. So I went to C4, I met these guys and I came back home and said, I can do this. You know, I did, I'm no different than these guys. They're, they're just smart guys who have computer science degrees and I'm a smart guy and I've got a computer science degree and I'm going to try and do it. And it, it took me three years and I wrote absolutely nothing. Yeah. And I, I'm, I think I'm a smart guy, but I don't have a computer science degree, so you know well, that can happen. And I mean, just looking at guys, I mean, I, I think Gus is uh, from that group of people. I think who went to University of Washington. There's a real good yes, group of so. like the real strong Mac community of a bunch of guys who all went to UW and went through that program. And so that was kind of what I was 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 looking at at the time. But I just looked at them and I said, well, I'm, I'm not all that different from them, so why not? Let's, let's give this a try. And my wife thought it was crazy, and, you know, but she let me work in the evenings. And you know, I started spending two, three hours, four hours a night behind my computer after my wife went to bed and just started sleeping a lot less. And somewhere between that and now, I, along the way, kind of created a company. And um, the original company I incorporated myself was a totally different company. Um, Martian Craft came in 2009. Uh, really, it was 2010 when we formalized it. But, uh, you know, you just 
you just kind of put yourself out there and all of a sudden things just kind of fell into place after that. So you're, you know, you're saying that, that that Gus is like one of the catalysts for Martian craft, if you think of it that way. <laughs> I wanted to say he's certainly a catalyst for me. I, I wouldn't <laughs> – I, I don't know that I would go towards Martian craft. I mean the catalyst for Martian craft was uh, Dave Mark. Um, he uh. was uh, Jeff LaMarche's co-author on a lot of Jeff's iOS books. And I knew Jeff – or I knew Dave and Dave knew Jeff and he kind of really put us together and and got that started but in an indirect way yeah seeing someone like Gus and realizing he's, he's just a guy and he's writing software and he just happens to do it for a living and that's awesome led me down that path where I I was I wanted to write you know I, I wanted to write my own Mac software and then the I, iOS came out or the iPhone came out and I wanted to write iPhone apps and I kind of had a, you know, a wilderness period where I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, you know, ahead of the iPhone. And then, uh, really in 2009 lightning struck and I was able to write something that people found interesting and, uh, our local community in DC, I think Philip, you've, you've come down and you've seen our group. Uh, you've come to NSCO tonight. I was lucky enough to, yeah, exactly. You have tasted the French pastries, uh, (laughs) the center, the center of our, uh, our meeting. And that was the other catalyst was um, having a group of people locally that were all dreamers like me. They were all like, yeah, we're going to build our own apps one day. And it was this, you know, and all of us kind of started on the Mac and we had Mac ideas and the iPhone came out and we we had iPhone ideas. And uh, that regular Tuesday night meeting, you know, my wife calls it my nerd support group. Um, (laughs) That really. That's totally what it is. Yeah. yeah, they totally prop things up. And. So that kind of got me through the wilderness period where I wasn't – I wanted to build things, but I wasn't building things. And uh, I actually built briefs on a dare, believe it or not. Wow. I think it was a double dog dare. Uh, I, I actually wrote the presentation that I was going to give when I was presenting briefs before I actually wrote the framework. I wow. had Well, that's, that's one way to do it. <laughs> I had the pieces <laughs> of it. and You were committed. And it was exactly. – uh, I guess it was that last C4 – in uh, Chicago, yes, Gus, you gave a blitz talk. Yeah, it was, yeah, uh, Gus Wolf had uh, he let people give blitz talks, and if you submitted a blitz talk, you got first crack at the registration, and so you could register yeah. early and and make sure you got there. And, and I'd already been two years, and I knew I wanted to go, and so we're all sitting around and NS Coder Night and La Madeline talking, and we're like, we should all do it. We should submit our own talks, and it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What are we gonna do? And I had started writing this uh, UI image view based prototyping setup because I was trying to prototype one of my other apps because I got frustrated I wasn't getting traction. And uh, so we were all trying to think about what we were going to write about. And so I just created this fictional product around this, you know, couple of classes I, I had created to prototype things and just said, eh, it's not going to get accepted anyway. I just want to get early registration. And uh, a month before the conference, Wolf let everybody know it was ready to go. And he was like, yep, you're picked. I was like, shit. (laughs) What now? (laughs) So you've talked about C4, and and I've been to C4 as well. And NS North is not carbon copy, but it's uh, it's It's a spiritual successor. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, uh, Only slightly more to the north. Uh, (laughs) 
and um, and we, we we're gonna have blitz stocks as well, which are gonna be awesome. Every time I've seen or given blitz stocks, I they, they were. They it's were a great. It's deep. a great format. It, exactly. If you're trying to get um, over the anxiety of presenting, it's such a great format because you yes. really have to practice the hell out of it, or you're gonna get booed off the stage. Like, <laughs> I haven't seen that happen. Every every everybody was just blasted with information and was done with it. But um, so so. To NS North, you will be our keynote speaker. And is there anything that you can reveal to our audience about what's what's going to be about? Well, it's uh, you. You've got a really good group of people that are speaking, and, and I'm I'm humbled to be a part of it, and and kind of freaked out that I'm the you know somehow the marquee speaker that's speaking first. Uh, but as you said yourself, after that you're done, you can drink. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, it, it really is great. That, that's really why I took it. Is you're like, oh, I can go first. Perfect. Um, no, I. What I'm trying to talk about is you have a lot of great indies. You know, one man, two man shops. Uh, they're going to get up and talk, and uh, I feel like in trying to think about where I would have something interesting to say to people is talking about how do you run a 15 to 20 person development shop? How do you how do you reach past that one man shop? You know, what if your ambitions? are bigger than what you can do by yourself. Or if, what if, in my case, what if you're the type of person where you kind of work better with a partner? And so what I want to talk about is how, you know, how do you level up in a sense? How do you go from being a one-man shop to hiring people to working for a team? What are the changes you go through? Um, You know, a a little, a few spoiler alerts. Um, It's hard because you do less coding. And yeah. most people stop right there. Most developers say, no, 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 no. I want to code. And, and if I can't code, then I'm not interested in it. But something interesting happened to me when I went through this, where I went through this six-month period of anxiety where I wasn't coding on it to where all of a sudden coding became fun again for me because the type of development I do is either throwaway development for Martian craft where I'm just experimenting with new frameworks or I'm trying something new and I don't have to worry about it being perfect or performant because I have oh, yeah. really smart guys behind me that can figure this stuff out and make it performant and great. Um, and so I, I had this really liberating experience on one hand where all of a sudden my, the coding that I did do was much more enjoyable. But the other aspect I found is that, um, you know, if, if we think of the computer as our canvas and uh, the IDEs as our paintbrushes, um, having really smart people, and, and I mean, when I say smart people, people that are smarter than me, like all the guys that work for me are smarter than me. I will freely admit that. That's why I hired them. And when all of a sudden you have people that are smarter than you, they don't face the same limitations you do. You know, everybody has their strengths and weaknesses. They know what they're good at and they know what they're bad at. Well, when you have a group of people, probably one of them is good at something that you're bad at. So now all of a sudden your ambition and your vision for what you're trying to build isn't limited by yourself. It isn't limited by your own uh, weaknesses. And if you can look at it that way and you can see a team of people that's working well together as your new paintbrushes, um, you're able to build some really great things. Like I... I can't tell you all the ins and outs of the code base of Brees, but I can tell you exactly how it's supposed to work. And I had a say in down to the minute decisions about how things worked. And it really is my vision 
it just wasn't always my hands behind the keyboard. And so I think that anxiety for people, if they can look past that, and maybe if I can paint a rosier picture of that future, I can inspire more people to try more ambitious things. Because that's, to me, I think that's where the the Mac and the iOS community is going is it's, you know, we've had these, these great couple of years where we have a bunch of, you know, small independent people that are doing great things, but you know, the industry isn't so punk rock anymore. You know, we now have to compete with big companies that are coming in, you know, Microsoft is an iOS developer. Adobe is an iOS developer. Uh, Autodesk is someone that's doing something really interesting. These are big companies that can, fund 20 30 person teams and then you also have the other elephant in the room the people who are getting this venture capital and bringing things in and so if you're a guy you don't want to get venture capital you're not a big company how can you get attention and build something that's interesting to your audience and compete with these guys and i think it's creating kind of a small indie company and how do you what are the challenges of that and so that's what i want to talk about i've i've uh I've kind of codenamed it ND++ as, you know, a fun that little great. developer name. Yeah, the, 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 the ecosystem is really maturing, isn't it? And, you know, like we got to start looking ahead as to how we can, how we can reach these new goals, you know, to, to really become really successful. Well, and there's this mentality. I think there's a cynicism that's coming out now that's saying, if you want to do anything ambitious, you've got to get venture capital. And that's not, nah. that's not true. I mean, no. Well, that's been true for a little while that this, that 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 truism was there, if you wish, but it no longer is, I believe. Well, and it's yeah, and it, it's like uh, you know everybody everybody got all crazy over Sparrow when Sparrow sold out, and they said, well, this yeah. is you know, and, and everybody can see the downside of venture capital, but then a lot of people prop up the good sides and say, well, they were building a mail client, and you know, a small one man shop can't build a mail client. And it's like that's true. But a smart well, trying to compete with built-in apps is also something. So true, but I, I I do think there is a space. I think this community was right. built on very smart, smaller companies that are doing great work. I mean, you oh, know, sure, Omni yeah. is a great example. Even though Omni has gotten quite big now, but Omni is yeah. a good example. Uh, Panic is another great example. Um, I even think you know, bare bones. I mean, they wrote BB Edit twenty years ago. Yep. You know, they at one point had their own mail client that was widely regarded. I think they're smart. I, I think if you if there's I think if you have a smart team of people and if you make smart business decisions and you're good stewards with your money, you can build a base to build great apps. And that's what we've tried to do. You know, everybody says, well, you've got to be venture capital because look at these, you know, look at these iOS companies that, you know, they have a, they make $2 million on their first app and they bankrupt themselves trying to build their second app. Well, they're really poor stewards with their money. They're not, yeah. they're not good on yeah. the business side. And, and when people hear the big B word and they hear business, they freak out and they think, well, I, I'm not a business guy and I don't have any business experience myself. I didn't take a single business class in school. Uh, I don't know anything about economics. I don't know anything about this, but there. And yet you were the CEO. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, now I'm a CEO, and you know, we. I feel like we. One of our superpowers is we're good stewards of our money, and we manage our money very well. We've been able to build a professional product like Briefs entirely out of pocket. 
You know, we're wow. self that's, we're self funding yeah. the app. We're not taking outside investment. We don't have an angel that's helping us. It's it's all just self funded based on consulting revenue. Um, we started Martian Craft with no money. There was no external development. It was well, we got to start doing consulting work because uh, we got to start feeding our families. And so we yeah, yeah. we just slowly built up from that, and we grew organically. And I think that's a story that a lot of people aren't telling right now. There's not enough. You know, I think a lot of these companies that are doing their stuff, they're too busy just just releasing awesome apps. Yeah. But you, know, you look at um, or, or you look at uh, Panic, um, they have Coda, and Coda competes with apps like Dreamweaver. And Dreamweaver is a three hundred dollar app from Adobe, which is a massive software company. And here, this small team, and again, I mean, they're even in the thirties now, I believe. But they were this small team that just started with Steve and Cable. And they slowly built up and they managed their money and they've made really astute business decisions and they've applied that to making good products. And I, and I think that's the thing. People think you can't make good business decisions and make great products when the reality is I think you have to do one to have the other. Otherwise, you're a one-hit wonder. You're going to have one good product. It's not going to really grab traction and you're going to have to go back into the fold and either do consulting or, or go back in you know, get a day job. And I think it's just managing that success, managing the expectations. You know, there's all this stuff about pricing software. And then there's the, you know, then there's all the other anxieties about running a business, you know, people and, uh, you know, managing clients and managing cash flow and paying taxes and, you know, making sure everybody gets their 1099s or their W2s. And, you know, it's all this stuff that, people think it's so much and they want to avoid it. And there's really some straightforward approaches. I didn't, I didn't have to go back to business school to figure this stuff out. I just had to have enough smart people around me and that I could rely on and trust that can take care of a lot of that stuff for me. So I can focus on what's important. Wow. That's fantastic. I don't, I don't know, Phil, I, I, I kind of can't wait till the keynote now. <laughs> <sighs> exactly. Well, if you want to hear more about this, uh, you should, tr- you should, uh, try to come to NS North uh, 2013 and uh, keep in mind that attendance is limited if you haven't purchased your ticket already. If you'd like to know more about the conference, you can visit our website at nsnorth.ca for all the details. And Rob, where can people go to find out more about what you're doing? Uh, ooh, gosh, more about what? Well, we have a Martiancraft has a website, martiancraft.com. Um, it has exactly one button on it, and that's if you want to send us an email and get in touch about doing a job. Uh, with us um, if you want to know more about briefs we have a teaser site that we've set up there's a mailing list uh, sign up for that mailing list we're not bombarding people with information now but when we put up uh, teaser information about briefs and we start talking about it more uh, you'll be the first to find out and then the people on the mailing list are going to be the first to find out when we release the product um, which which should be coming soon um, I want to say March 2013 but I, I I don't want to. I don't want to jinx it. So it's coming soon. Uh, excellent. Right, coming soon. Much, much like NS North, which is coming Absolutely. in April. Absolutely. But we have a date. It's the 19th. But if you want to find out more about what I want to do, you got to come to NS North, and then uh, I'll be happy to talk to you. Definitely. Well, we hope to see you all in Ottawa in April. Uh, thanks, Rob. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. I know I talked to you. Thanks, long. Dan. No, no, no. Thank you very much, Rob. We really appreciate you joining us tonight. My pleasure. All right. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Thanks, Philippe.